Do you have a personal mission statement? Do you have a personal vision statement? The first step in any successful and efficient business is establishing a mission and vision statement. No business can succeed without it. No business can function, frankly, without it. And yet, when it comes to our personal lives, many of us were never told and never thought about it. Do I really have a bona fide, legitimate mission statement, as well as a vision statement? So we will be speaking about this important topic, which is like the focal point that connects all the hubs of your life, Mission statement versus vision statement. Please join me. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we are going to be speaking about mission statement versus vision statement. This program is dedicated in honor of Seth Yakatan's mother, Chaya Batsara's yard site on the 21st of Cheshvan. She passed on the year 5777. Welcome. The single first step in any venture, in any enterprise, in any business, in any organization, Anything is business 101. You don't even need to go to business school. You need to have a mission statement. What is the mission of this entity? Furthermore, when you break it down, you also need to have a vision statement. And yet, when it comes to our personal lives, if someone asked you, do you have a personal mission statement? Do you have a personal vision statement? Most of us, and I've tested this, Never thought about it, or even if we did, never really followed up. Why is it so critical in business? Because without it, you don't have focus. Even one person alone, even if you're a sole proprietor, you need to know what is the goal of my business. What am I doing? Am I selling balloons? Am I selling shoes? Because it's very easy when ideas come in, should I embrace that? Is that part of my mission? I remember reading once, I think it was Avis Rent-A-Car, and the CEO had behind him by the wall, and he insisted that all the workers have, what is our mission? Renting cars. So I remember reading that one of his, one of his vice presidents, one of the advisors, suggested to do a promotion with balloons on some holiday where they would hand out thousands, if not tens of thousands of balloons to children with the words, Avis, rent a car. And... His question was, he looked, pointed to the wall, to our mission statement, and said, Is the, what's the connection? Children don't rent cars. How will that help rent cars? Now you could say, well, the children will advertise it and the parents will see it. But it was interesting. You need to have a focal point in life because life is built up of so many fragments and details that it's so easy to get distracted. And the mission statement keeps you real. Now, a mission statement is not as simple as it sounds. We'll get to a vision statement shortly. A mission statement requires that it be unique to you, the entity, and that entity, that it be short and actionable. 
But there's some more criteria for a mission statement, which I'll discuss briefly, shortly. And that is that the, that, that the, in other words, if someone were to say, well, my personal mission statement is to be happy, it's to make money, it's to bring up a healthy family. That's beautiful. Those are beautiful objectives, but they don't qualify for, as a mission statement. It would be like saying a company's mission statement is to make money, have happy employees. Every company is supposed to do that. What makes it unique is what defines the mission statement. And let's say Google's mission statement is something like this, organizing all the information in the world and making it readily accessible to everyone. It's unique. It's focused. Now, another entity may compete with Google and have something similar, but it's still focused. And everything Google does with all their 100,000-plus employees ultimately satisfies that mission. So in our personal lives, we need to find something similar. It has to be unique to you. And it has to be actionable because then Google goes ahead and creates search engines and all the necessary tools to be able to access information, algorithms, gathering information, indexing it properly. The list goes on. So in a personal life, you have to say, what? not that you'd be happy and make money. In what manner? What will be your unique contribution? The thing I wanted to add about a mission statement that many are not aware of is that it always focuses on the need, not of your own, of the entity or the organization's need, but the need of the people, of the customers. In other words, not about you, it's about something greater than you, how you serve. Organizing all the information of the world. It's, it, it, Google doesn't say Let's, our mission is to make billions of dollars. They hope to make billions, and they do when they fulfill their mission. But the mission is it will serve a need. People, there's a lot of information out there. They go on the web. They don't know how to find it, so they need a search. And the same thing with every entity you'll find. It's always a cause that is not about the entity. It's about what it's doing for the people that it's serving. And this is for whether it's a profit or non-profit. There's always that element of that. So it has some higher cause, so to speak, or higher service, service to others. Now, what about a vision statement? So the classic definition or distinction between the two is that a vision statement is not your mission, but where do you see the future of the world or of your sphere being? Mission is what your role is in achieving that future. So let's say a vision statement would be that all people in the world will be empowered with knowledge that they need. That's a vision statement. That's a vision of a world where all people are connected or all people are empowered. Then the mission is, I will create, or we, the entity, will create tools to empower them, making all information accessible, gathering all information and making it accessible. That's how you achieve the vision. So the vision is even more removed from the entity than the mission. The mission is the role of the entity, and the vision is where you want to see the world be. And usually you'd begin with the vision and then move to the mission. So now when we apply this principle to ourselves, the question is, and remember, the question of a wise person is half an answer. The first question is, what is your vision statement? In other words, what do you see? How do you see the world, the future of the world being? How would you like it to be? And the mission is, what is your role in helping achieve that? Which means others can also help achieve it in different ways. But you're playing a role 
to get to that vision, to fulfillment and to the fulfillment and realization of that vision. Now, this alone, just saying these statements that I just made, is already the beginnings of literally transformation of how you think and what you act on. Because many of us, and let's go backwards, unfortunately, we grow up in our homes. Let's say it's even a healthy home, you get a good education. Now discuss, I'm not getting now into the nightmare situations or even night situations that are more dysfunctional, which only makes everything I'm going to say now more complicated. But even if everything goes regularly, I went to school, I'm sure you do too. Did they tell you that you need to make, have a personal mission statement? We were taught tools, mathematics, history, the literature, the, some of the physical sciences, some of the social sciences, some of the political sciences. And we went through school learning these tools like a tool chest, hopefully mastering them, including language and so on. These are the tools as we get older and we finally leave school, we're empowered to both read and write and understand and deduce and diagnose and evaluate and ultimately to find a job that we've been trained for and that we're good at to make a nice good living and income. The best schools promise that. Now, they'll also throw in that you'll also, good private schools and other schools officially promise that as well, will also develop character, personality, discipline. And some schools actually achieve that. I'm not going to not criticize that. But the concept that your life, that you're here for a purpose, and that purpose requires a vision and a mission statement, is not something in regular curriculum. Now, I could I could. Uh, I could uh, speculate the reasons for it. It could be it's too close to, I don't want to use the word religion, but too close to a moral value thing and schools want to stay more neutral. You know, say, say mission means there's purpose to life. Maybe there isn't. You know, based on an evolutionary biology of many thinkers, they say it's all random accidents. Yes, once we're here, we figure out something to do with our lives. But you know, Google's mission statement is not inherent. It's to, to be successful, you need to have focus. But it's not a fundamental, so to speak, that your soul came to this world. And I'm making a statement right now that I often share and speak. This is biblical, spiritual thinking. Your soul came to this world for a purpose. And that purpose is unique to you and you alone. What is that purpose? What is that mission why you were sent here? And all that you were given, your skills and your intelligence and your emotions and your faculties, Everything else that was provided to you are all part of your tool chest to fulfill your mission. So it's not that you begin with the tool chest. Imagine someone starts with the tool chest. They say, okay, what am I going to use this hammer for? This screwdriver, this uh, sledgehammer, this uh, wrench. First, you know you're going to build a house. That's the purpose, the mission. Now I have tools to do so. In the secular world, at least in the Western world, primarily, I would say almost all the world, and I didn't do research in every community. So though every community does have elements of service, the idea that you're here to serve, especially when religion is involved, but religion has also been bastardized very often and corrupted. But we live in a world where most of us do not grow up thinking that way. We are more masters of our tools than we are of what to use the tools for. We may know how, but we don't know the what. It's like, yeah, I'm armed, I'm ready to go, but what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? 
So the best we come up with is having a great, having a great job. Make a lot of money. You can buy homes and cars and travel and have all your options open for you. And so to speak, that creates a wholesome or fulfilling life. Does it? Look at people with a lot of money. Are they more fulfilled? They may be more distracted. They may have more immediate power and short-term control. But are they really more fulfilled? Do they have a direction in life? They could, they could, they couldn't. In other words, it's not the money that creates it, because there are people that have no money and have no influence and don't have any of the luxuries and any of those possessions and are extremely focused in purpose, living a purposeful life. Now, it's no surprise I wrote a book called Toward a Meaningful Life. Our organization is called the Meaningful Life Center. You read books like Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning or other books that talk about purpose. These are the ideas that are espoused there. The critical need for meaning. As a matter of fact, Frankl makes the argument that is a, in contrast to Freud and Jung and others, meaning is the single most important drive in a person. And like he says, no matter what your situation is, if you have purpose, you can deal with anything. Even the greatest pain and suffering. So to go back to our discussion here, this is not something that is conventionally inserted into our education system. So we're really living more circumstantially what came my way. As a matter of fact, we may, many of us have jobs that we weren't even trained for. We may have degrees, but for whatever reason, we couldn't find a job in that area. We may have jobs we don't enjoy. Statistics show that most people don't like their jobs. Yes, there are also statistics that show that people learn to like their jobs. At some point, you, you adjust, but some people continue to dislike it. Someone says, is this your passion in life, what you're doing? Many will say, no. That I reserve for hobbies, for my transcendental moments, for weekends, vacations, when I'm with my loved ones, my family. But the primary part of my day is labor. Doing labor in order to make ends meet to get a paycheck. Many build very successful businesses, undeniably. And they have a mission in all those businesses. But when it comes back to the individual, most of us have no clue. Now, I've, done, I've not done any scientific studies, but from those people that I've met, and I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people I've met through my years, some, when you ask about the personal mission, they right away go, well, I'm, uh, to be happy, money, have a, happy fa- have, a, have a wholesome family, etc. When pushed, many will say, you know what, I never really thought about a mission, let alone know what my mission is. But as soon as you hear it, you say to yourself, of course. If a business which is relatively superficial, I mean, yes, we want a successful business, but it's not your very essence, it's not your psyche, your own very being, requires, can't succeed without a mission statement. How can you? And you'll see well, many people say, well, look, I'm moving along with life. So what's, what's, what's the reason? The reason is in business there's a thing called accountability. That if you don't have that efficiency, even, as I said before, a sole proprietor, let alone you have a few workers and they have different thoughts. And if you have teams and you have thousands of workers, you better have a very clear mission or else it's going to be completely fragmented and at some point it will be inefficient, you'll lose money and you'll be owing money and the company won't be able to exist. So there's an accountability that keeps us honest, checks and balances. In our personal lives, who are we accountable to as adults? You know, so I don't have a mission. 
So debt accumulates, but nobody knows about it. I would say it implodes. Because then you think of your life as a series of fragmented details that have no hub, no mission to connect them. So what it results? You know, I always give the exercise, suggest this exercise. Take any day you like, today, tomorrow, and list everything on paper, everything that you did from the morning till at night, from the moment you woke up till you went to sleep. You woke up, you pressed the snooze button, you finally got up, you did exercise, you showered, breakfast, coffee, commuted, went to work, one meeting, another meeting, lunch, read a newspaper, met a friend, whatever it may be, trivial, important, you'll come up with approximately 100 items, and most of them have no connection one to the next. I'm talking about from when you wake up till at night. Now, it doesn't seem like much, but those fragments accumulate day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. Millions of fragments. Now, we all know what it looks like when you go home and you suddenly see your whole house is a mess. Everybody is disconcerted or disoriented by that because we abhor fragmentation. We like order. Everybody has perhaps a different standard of what order is, but you see it. Even naturally, children will fit Ovals into holes that are ovals. Objects into object that's like a circle, into a circle. Squares, triangles. Because we like order. We like organization. We like cohesiveness. So what do you think fragmentation of that level, that magnitude, does to the psyche? It has to cause you to, at some point, feel burned out. Feel down. Because there's all these thousands and more than thousands, millions even, of details that are not connected by a hub, by a mission. I have my chapter in Toward a Meaningful Life, a chapter called A Day of Life. I actually first called it A Day in the Life, but then I realized I was uh, somewhat plagiarizing the Beatles. A Day of Life. And I speak about this, so there's more details if you want to go there to understand this concept. So it's critical. So what happens? Since we're not accountable, it implodes. It's going to affect your psyche. It's going to affect your willpower, your enthusiasm, your optimism. Because at some point, all these things start weighing down on you. But it accumulates, and we don't see it until something crashes. And then you say to yourself, one second, why am I here? That big existential question. Look what happened during COVID. When our security blankets and our comfort zones were stripped from us. Basically, we had our crutches to run to. When that was gone, as Warren Buffett says about investing, that until the tide is out, you don't know who's been swimming naked. Suddenly we're swimming naked. And it's very disconcerting. And you start saying, one second, what do I stand for? I can't run to a restaurant. My travel plans have been aborted. School is out. Almost every, every, virtually, every sector of society was disrupted. And many did travel inward and said, okay, maybe it's time to look. Why am I here? Why does it have to, why do we have to wait till things are stripped from us? Or discomfort? That's another discussion about human nature. But the fact of the matter is, imagine we taught our children from the youngest, of age, youngest age, from when they wake up in the morning, from the earliest age, you are here for a purpose. My dear child, my dear son, my dear daughter. And I, as a parent, and like a gardener, I'm here to help you discover that purpose, discover your strengths, learn the courage and the confidence to express it, to spread your wings and sing your song. You do that every day. Your child is then infused 
and saturated with the idea of mission. doesn't mean you'll find the mission in one minute, but you're thinking in that direction and ultimately you'll find it. So let's now spell it out in more detail, especially in context of mission statement versus vision statement. So here is how we'll sp- I'll speak about it first collectively and then individually. Collectively, as I said earlier, what do you vision is what would you think the vision of the world should look like or the vision of your world should look like. And that is where many ideas, many companies, businesses began that way. Many schools began that way. Actually, I would say all began with someone's had a vision. Whether it was the Wright brothers that had a vision that we'll create air travel. Whether they had it all figured out, I don't know, but that human beings would fly and be able to reach farther places quicker. Or just the mere idea that humans should be able to not be bound by gravitational limitations of time and space. Or dreams of physicists, scientists, poets, romantics. A vision of life. A better life, a more beautiful life, a more loving life. This is not yet a mission. It's a vision of life. And then comes the next step where you say, okay, what can I do to facilitate that, to precipitate, to make that happen? To make it happen quicker. And many companies, as I said, schools, someone opened the school because there was a need whether there's a need for special children or other needs they didn't see filled by other schools. So they saw a vision. That vision turned into a mission, which turned into a school or an organization or a hospital or a library. Andrew Carnegie, who was the one that founded the public library system in the United States, there was a vision. The vision was he wanted to empower with the wealth that he had accumulated. He felt the need to give it back What's the best way to give it back? Not just to hand out money, but to empower people. That was his philosophy, as he writes in his essay called The Gospel of Wealth, which has had strong impact on Bill Gates and Warren Buffett in their giving pledge and their giving philosophies and attitudes. What's the best way to give back is to educate people who may not have an education so they have more opportunities. Now, you could give everyone a scholarship to a university, so he decided something interesting. Let's create a free public library system where books are free to read. You can spend as much time as you want in a library or take out the book on loan. And that way, give the opportunity to many who did not go to school or did not go to higher education due to poverty or other reasons to access knowledge. And knowledge is power, and knowledge would help empower people. So the vision was a world of empowerment. Empowering people who at that point were not empowered with the knowledge. The mission was, how are we going to do it? Create a library system, free library system. Could be done other ways as well. But that was one way. So there you see vision and mission working together with each other in a beautiful manner. Now let's apply this to, well, you can see, look at any company on earth. They have those two elements in there. Then comes what follows from that is already then, after that, is um, objectives and goals to fulfill the mission, and then strategies and action plans. But they always follow follow the two heads, you'll say, the the two main cornerstones, vision and mission. Now, on a personal level, ask yourself the same question. What would you see the vision of your, of your life or the life of your friends and family or the world? 
What would it look like? And I'm just going to use an example that I use in my work. A vision using, paraphrasing, or quoting Isaiah the prophet. A world where there will be no longer evil and destruction. No more war and corruption. Because, this is the words of Isaiah. The world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. Now, what does knowledge have to do with no destruction? Because when it's true knowledge, not just knowing things, but it's an intimate connection to knowledge as higher values, and it's internalized, then there will no be, be no reason for war and, and, and acrimony and unhealthy competition and the, all, the, all the challenges and hostilities that come from self-interest, battling someone else's self-interest or otherwise known as survival of the fittest. That's a vision. Some people may call it a vision of world peace. No more famine. Eradication of disease. These are visions that people have. We're not getting now how realistic it is or not. First of all, we see that it's realistic because we're getting closer to it than it was once far worse. I mean, just look at life expectancy. Most people die by the age 50 years old, 100 years ago. Today it's almost double the life expectancy and longevity, the, what medicine has done, other technologies. So that's a vision. The thing is to remember that you are, by doing that, you're in a way suspending your own self-interest in that context. Because the more you think about yourself and what you need, I need to eat, I need to drink, I need power, I need love, I need a passion, I need pleasure, I need to avoid pain, then you're not focusing on a vision of the world. You're focusing on your immediate needs, whether it's avoiding pain or gaining pleasure. Whereas when you think of what will the world will look like, the vision for tomorrow, that immediately takes you out of yourself, and now there's a vision. This, as I said, is not taught to us. Now, many people have it naturally, or they read books, and they have friends, and they envision beautiful things, and people want a utopia, they want some nirvana, they want a better world. But it's not necessarily infused in us as a vision statement. When you state it, it becomes a statement where you say, this is a vision I'm committed to. Then the next step, what grows out of that is, what are you going to do to make that happen? Yes, it's a nice dream. You could also have the dream and say, let someone else do it. That's not commitment. That means, okay, you're dreaming. We all have our romantic dreams. We all have our fantasies. What are you going to do about it? And that's where the mission comes in. I'm just going to use myself as a guinea pig. I mean, in a good way. Because just to use an example, and I want to demonstrate it in a real way. So I was a struggling teenager a number of years ago. I had no idea where I was going with my life. I wasn't inspired by school or education. Yeah, I got by. I wasn't passionate about it. It was somewhat mediocre... I was passive, wasn't stimulated. So what does a young man do, a 15, 16-year-old? You read. I was reading. I was a ravenous reader, gobbling up book after book. You know, basically absorbing ideas, thoughts, dreams, the classics, different philosophies. And I grew up in an intense educational system, a Jewish Chabad Hasidic education, deeply spiritual and so on even though I had not yet accessed the spirituality. But when I look back, in retrospect, I would say I was like a rebel without a cause. 
I had that energy, that rebellious energy. I wanted to do something with my life, significant, make a mark. But I had no idea where, what, and when. I liked math and f- mathematics and physics, but I didn't see that. I, I liked it personally, like a, almost like a hobby, like, ch- like chess, where you like to play sports. But I didn't see it as my life's mission or vision. And I didn't know these words, vision and mission, then. But again, I speak in retrospect. And then, long story short, I was touched, just as you're touched by music, by the truths of a deeper, mystic- deep, deeper mysticism and spirituality. My soul was touched. It's like when your soul is stirred and you hear a beautiful song. You can't deny it. Now, being a skeptic, of course, I challenged myself. But something touched me and touched me in a way that you can make a difference. But you need to pay a price. The price is commitment. Just like you go to the military. There's a commitment involved. Again, this wasn't overnight. It took some time. But ultimately... By trial and error and accidents, and, or if there is such a thing as an accident, I met, I was looking, I was seeking, I wasn't lazy. And I realized I very much enjoyed writing, I liked research. So I got involved, I started volunteering for different entities in my community that did that type of work. And I climbed the ladder, the work of remembering hours and hours of my mentor's talks, and then writing it down, documenting it for posterity, publishing it, annotating it, researching, as I said. And within that, I discovered my vision and my mission. The vision is a world filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. I saw the knowledge that I was learning was not just knowledge like knowing math or science or other schools of thought, but it was also knowledge that changes you as a person, empowers you to discover yourself, and to live up to your higher calling. That was the key thing. That's why it's called divine knowledge, not just knowledge, not just information and data, but information, not just to know what to, not just to know what to think, but how to think, and how to take the thoughts and direct them towards some vision. In this case, the vision of global change, yes, global transformation. And that became that mantra inside of me that has never left me, that global transformation. And not just the ambition of reaching the entire globe, but real change. And looking at history, seeing that the world has changed. It's become a better place in so many ways. Steven Pinker in his books talks about that. Statistically, the decline of crime, of war, of violence. There's plenty more to be done. But it's a far better world if you look at the trajectory. And to be able to be part of moving the needle to the point where we actually can cross the finish line, reaching a real age of enlightenment, or what I like to call spiritual revolution. In the words of Maimonides, a world where people's entire business will be to know the divine, to experience transcendence, and their material lives will be a means toward that end, instead of, as it is today, materialism as an end in itself. A world filled with divine knowledge, as the waters cover the sea, complete. And each of us diverse in our own unique way. That was the vision that became burning inside of me, etched in me. And I literally say that without, just without complete humility. And that in turn defined my mission. What am I going to do to help in that direction? And what was I going to do? I was blessed with the skills of communication, writing, speaking, articulating, organizing information helping people 
achieve clarity, including myself, cutting away the smoke screens, the weeds, to discover the beautiful fruit within, the angels within the marble, in Michelangelo's words. Carve and carve and set the angels free. So in my own way, I began doing that. Now, I had no support. Yeah, of course, my family, friends, like, like who tell me, great, you're doing great, but there's no real support, not financial, not otherwise. And frankly, it was actually uphill. You always have the naysayers. But I believed in it. And because I believed in it, I raised money when the time came. First, I was a volunteer. And I slowly built an organization. And ultimately, as the years rolled on, it became the Meaningful Life Center. I wrote the book Toward a Meaningful Life. Now, I'm not trying to talk about my biography and my resume. I'm really discussing this just as an example. Vision, mission. And what is the mission? To use our communication skills, our writing. Today, of course, technology has opened up so many doors. Pipelines, I like to call them. Whether it's video, audio, podcast, text. But the ease of distributing information to large numbers of people. Use all these tools to actually teach People individually empower them to live a meaningful life. To live a life where they find their calling and contribute to filling the world with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. And this defines all the work I do. My work and my team. Beautiful, wonderful team. So I say to you, each one of you, whoever is listening to this, you must do the same. And I say must is not a command. I say it out of love because it will change your whole life. Define, look to define a vision. Start simple. Take a piece of paper or on a computer or on your phone and begin to write notes. What would the world look like? What I would think would be a beautiful world. And it could be a world where healthy children, it could be whatever you want right there. And look at it a few times. Let it, let it percolate, marinate. And as you review it, you know, highlight things that jump out at you. You can put aside as a draft things that are not so significant. You will start seeing an, a, a vision emerge. And then the next question, what am I doing? How was I blessed and what am I doing with my skills and my opportunities and the people I know and the places I've been to to help actualize and materialize that vision? And that becomes your mission. I actually wrote a course called Discovering Your Personal Mission Statement. It also has another name, Midlife Miracle. A course to discovering your personal mission statement with an entire formula. It's an intense course. You may check it out online. Just write Midlife Miracle on MeaningfulLife.com where it really helps you discover and define your vision and mission statement in a way that you can implement. That's the goal. Now you'll say, well, I have a job. I have other things I'm doing. All fine and good. No problem. No one says any cold turkey here. Start small. And slowly you may be surprised that you can integrate your work and your existing life space. Because a mission ultimately is all-encompassing. It's just a matter of getting the spoke so the hubs can connect with. The focal point, the center. And absolutely guaranteed, it'll transform your life. And in a way that you wouldn't imagine. It's not through any aggressive intensive, intrusive surgery, so to speak, psychologically or emotionally or physically. It's really a reframing of your life, looking at everything, but from another perspective, like almost like a bird's eye view 
instead of the details defining your mission and vision, the vision and mission define your details. Instead of what you do defining who you are, who you are, your who you are is defining what you do. And that, I believe, is a life worth living. So my friends, develop that vision and mission statement, the VNM. I'm here. My team is here to help in any way we can. Please love to hear feedback, thoughts, suggestions, questions. Please share this if you see it fit with friends, with family, with colleagues, with anyone out there. Because I do believe, and that's why I say because I believe that this is my mission and vision, mission, mission and vision, and I believe you would agree that it should be yours as well to some extent. I'm not saying what the exact mission should be, but one thing for sure is to share this with others so we create a ripple effect. The butterfly effect that impacts one, pay it forward, one after the other, and becomes a viral, a healthy viral force that actually does transform the corner of our world and ultimately the globe itself. Personal and global redemption and actually fulfilling that vision of life and vision of the universe for all, all 8 billion people and counting. Thank you so much. Simon Jacobson here, MeaningfulLife.com. Be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.